one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Happy New Year to each and every one of our Tennis Podcast listeners. My name is David Law. I'm a broadcaster for BBC Radio 5 Live and BT Sport on tennis. Don't do anything else, just tennis. That's all I'm good for. Same is true of Catherine Whitaker, except Catherine. She works for Eurosport and she also does ice skating. Happy New Year, Catherine. Happy New Year, David. Yes, and a new string to my bow for 2017 is uh, horses doing ice skating. The uh, the beautiful meeting of equestrian and ice sports uh, was what I was doing on Monday, the 2nd of January. I was commentating on a figure skating horse. A figure skating horse. A figure skating horse. I, I don't really know how better to put it it was some of the more bizarre commentary I've done uh, in my uh, broadcasting career it was quite quite something it was sort of this big horse called Vikingo doing dressage while uh, a woman sort of skated around him and at various times hung off him as well it was quite something it it sounds quite something yes Um, now this does make me think we, we've done over the last uh, few months on twitter at tennis podcast we've been asking for pictures of your tennis podcast pets because of uh, rosie the dog Catherine's dog called rosie who gate crashed the show and frankly appears to want to take over and just um sh- shunt me out of the way quite honestly uh well i hope rosie's not here today is that right she's not no she's she's back home at my mum and dad's but i'm sure she'll be listening I'm sure. I'm sure she will. Yeah. Seems to have a bit of an ego, that one. Anyway, uh, it does make me think, uh, tennis podcast pets, we've got horses ice skating. Are there any tennis playing tennis podcast pets? That's what I want to know. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, Catherine, we actually do have a show, as, as you know, because we're talking on it right now. The reason is because our listeners have come together to fund the 2017 season weekly show. Amazing. Amazing. They've come together. They've already met our target. We've still got 10 days of our Kickstarter crowdfunding exercise to go. Our next target is to raise enough uh, for 45 Grand Slam daily editions of the show, starting at the Australian Open in under two weeks' time now. But we are definitely going to be talking to each other 45 times once a week over the next year. How do you feel? Yes, 
we still exist. It's a very odd feeling, isn't it? It's like um, it's like Y2K, if you can remember that, when everybody, you know, nobody knew whether the world or us human beings would still exist as we knew it uh, post Y2K, but obviously... Uh, that all went fine, and uh, the uh, Kickstarter campaign has gone fine. We're we're bowled over, aren't we? We won't. Well, maybe we will bang on about it because we are. Um, yeah, we're just very chuffed. We're very chuffed at the support that's been shown. You know, we're, it still surprises us that anybody tunes in and listens every week, let alone is chip, prepared to chip in their hard-earned money to uh, to be able to listen. So. Um, we're chuffed. We're grateful. We hope we make the target, the 15 grand target to do the daily shows, because honestly, I think that's when we're at our best, David, when it's just on the hoof. You know, we're in we're in the, in the mix, in the moment, right there in the heart of the Grand Slams. You know, you g- grabbing Todd Woodbridge and uh, goodness knows who else that walks past. I really think that's us at our best. And uh, I hope we'll be able to do those uh, this year. Indeed. Well, I think maybe the Y2K comparison is probably just slightly elevating our own status too much. Uh, I don't think we're quite as important as that. But, you know, I, I'm going to go with it, Catherine. That's absolutely fine by me. Um, now, can I say, just, just so that you know, if you if you haven't yet, go to our Kickstarter page if you want to back the show. Uh, there's all sorts of opportunities. My personal favourite moment of the week was when uh, the owner of uh, one of our tennis podcast pets, Charlie the Ferret, Charlie the Ferret's owner, this sounds like something out of some very strange television show, doesn't it? Uh, but anyway, Charlie the Ferret's Same owner... Same I was commentating on on Monday, probably. Yeah. Uh, she decided to up her own pledge and, and uh, within 10 minutes then decided to up it again all the way to our very top reward level of £350 in order to take on Catherine and myself and student Matt at the predictions competition for 2017, which will be rolling out over the next couple of weeks. We now have four people who are going to be taking us on, Catherine. I'm feeling very, very confident. How are you feeling? Well, not confident. What on earth? What what, what on earth is making you feel confident? No, I'm not feeling confident. But, uh, you know, that's sort of the point, isn't it? The point is that, you know, we, we advertised it as a way to feel good about yourself for a whole year. So you shouldn't be feeling confident. Oh, all right. Well, I, I was until about four seconds ago. So uh, anyway, that amused me immensely. And uh, as Catherine has said, we're, we're hugely appreciative uh, of, of everything uh, that, that you've all done so far. And if you haven't got around to, to making your pledge yet, do it right now. Now, on with the show. Catherine, uh, week one of the tennis season. I, I mean, I'm sure it has been like this for a long while, but, but I, I'm still a bit taken aback by how many tournaments there actually are in the first week of the tennis year i mean i know a week ago when 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 we were talking i was complaining about the off season being too long (laughs) which is quite quite funny isn't it given how short it actually is but i was just getting fed up of having no tennis to follow and watch and talk about um and here we are now with three wta events three atp events and the hotman cup in the same week and they're all different time zones we've got Doha going on as we speak and Andy Murray's 7-6-3 all against uh, uh, Gerald Meltzer uh, we've had Novak Djokovic playing this afternoon we had Roger Federer this morning in the uh, the Hotman Cup playing doubles as well and then overnight all the Australian tournaments like Brisbane uh, and Auckland in New, New Zealand as well it's almost almost too much tennis well, it is too much tennis to watch all of it. You can't possibly be taking in all of it. I won't allow you 
to complain about it being too much tennis, David, given how much you complained about the sort of three and a half week long off season and how painful that was for you. Um, it is it is so much tennis, though. There is never an hour of the day, I don't think, in which live tennis isn't on. And there's, I suppose, you know, three 250 level um, and equivalent WTA level events in one week isn't that unusual, except add in the Hopman Cup and it suddenly becomes just a bit frantic, doesn't it? And add in the fact that you had Abu Dhabi over last weekend as well, two exhibition events technically, but with sort of elevated status given where they fall in the calendar, those tip it all over into a bit of a a manic week of tennis. But no, I won't. I will not hear of a complaint, David. No, indeed. What I would say is a little bit like when I'm always amused when one of my colleagues or or somebody on Twitter will say, oh, been watching so-and-so practice, hitting the ball well. Always find that very funny because if tennis players aren't hitting the ball well to a layperson, something's wrong. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm never quite sure how much to read into the first week of the year. And what I would say is Nadal looks in, in great nick generally. All the top players are winning um, pretty much, certainly on the men's side. Serena Williams lost today in high wind in uh, in Auckland, which they, they've had a, a rough few days with all the rain over there. Venus Williams pulled out as well. I, I get the feeling as much as anything, two matches in a day with all the rain that was going on was too much. But how much do you take notice of, of the first week as a form guide? Do you? I think you ignore it at your peril. You certainly shouldn't ignore it, um, but equally you take too much from it at your peril as well. I know that's a really <laughs> offensive answer, but I mean, I think that, okay, let's, so let's start with Andy Murray. Um, I was actually, I was at Eurosport a couple of days ago for my uh, ice skating horse commentary. and uh, I really must dig so that many- one out and watch. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm just... I have it is to on see the that. Eurosport player. It is on the Eurosport player. Anyway, it was quite something. There was also a a BMX on ice, some acrobats. It was mm. um, yeah. So I, I was in Eurosport on Monday because of all the tennis that's going on, and Eurosport is showing almost all of the well, they're showing all of the men's, and of course BT Sport is showing the women's. But everybody, every tennis commentator, almost apart from those that were doing BT Sport, like your good self, David, uh, were were in the Eurosport offices. Arvin Palmer was there, Simon Reid, Frew McMillan, uh, Guy McCree, all these sorts of people were there. And um, Simon Reid and Frew McMillan came out of commentating on Andy Murray's doubles loss in the first round of Doha. He quite often enters the doubles in whatever tournament he chooses to play at the beginning of the, the season. Doesn't mean too much, but Frew's assessment was that Andy Murray looked very, very heavy-legged. He said he looked like he still had the weeks of off-season training in Miami in his legs still, and he needed to sort of run those out of him, play play that out of himself. He said he thought he'd be fine in a couple of weeks in Melbourne, but that just at the moment he looked a little bit heavy-legged. And if he does come up against Djokovic, who himself had a very sluggish start against Jan Leonard Struff a couple of days ago, uh, could be could be very interesting, could be a lot closer than it was uh, the O2 uh, a couple of weeks ago. Federer's return didn't disappoint, did it? It was magnificent pretty much against Dan Evans, but then... But then, what happened this morning against uh, 
Alex Verev already one of the matches of the year. It was, I had a sneaky feeling. I know it's very easy to say this after the fact, David. I had a sneaky feeling that Zverev was going to get that one and that it was going to go to something like a third set tiebreak. I sort of saw that sort of a scoreline coming, but it nonetheless was thrilling. Didn't go on the record with that in advance, though, I noticed. I, I wasn't in a rush to do that, no. no. Um, who else have we got? Do you want to take You've been commentating on the women's side of things, so you can do that. I saw a bit of Joe Conter uh, coming back to beat Vanya King. Very impressive from her. From a very um, slow start, actually. Incredibly uh, slow start. But I would say uh, as well, I, I, the matches that, that I've commentated on last night in particular, but brilliant match between uh, Garbinia Muguruza and Daria Kasatkina. Exactly. Ooh, in fact, yes. a, couple, a couple of nights ago that was, and, and Muguruza's had two, three setters. I, I really liked, although she, I don't think she played magnificently she certainly played well enough but the main thing was it was just nice to see Muguruza looking so up for it you know really energized and motivated and and as though she was enjoying it out there saw a very interesting quote from her one of our colleagues Nick McCarvel um, quoted on Twitter an interview he'd had with her in which she said her big thing this year her new year's resolution is not to be politically correct I thought that was fascinating. She says, I'm going to start, I'm going to say what I think. I'm not going to, I know that it might get uncomfortable and and people might not like it, but that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Interesting. That's going to be great, isn't it? Imagine, imagine if that, imagine if every single tennis player had a sort of truth pill over the next week and had to just say exactly what they think. I think it would look quite ugly in places, David, don't you think? I'm definitely going to look into whether that's possible. I think that's really, I think that'd be excellent. Just imagine. Oh. I believe <laughs> it. I'll believe it when I say, see it of Garbini Muguruza. I will, as, but you know, she's one that I've talked about a lot before is she's completely clammed up and closed herself off since she's hit the big time. She's become somebody that doesn't give anything away. So to think of her suddenly taking a truth pill and spilling all the beans, everything that's in her head is quite the turnaround. So I don't know. I, if yeah, if she's true to her word, then great, bring it on. Yeah, I, I think I'd love to know what she thinks about things. Really, me too. Me too. That, that that's going to be a good one to follow. Uh, Dominika Sibylkova last night. I commentated on. She was um, she was pretty rusty actually early on against Shang Shui, who who played wonderfully for for a set and a bit but eventually Sibylkova turned it around and won it I mean you see you see this with the the rust they have in their systems I mean Kerber today up against Ash Barty incidentally great to see her back that you may remember the Australian player who who retired a couple of years ago to go and play cricket decided she was pretty disillusioned with tennis didn't didn't want to play anymore would rather be a part of a team game and and great to see her back because she's a a really unusual talent she plays the game very differently much more old-fashioned almost with all the spins and and eye for the ball that she has not just about ball banging but she she took Kerber to three sets and you see these players just trying to get the rust out of their systems because they they've all had the compulsory holiday in the Maldives I mean you're not allowed to be a tennis player I don't think unless you do that and then and then they they put the training block in and as you were saying about Andy Murray they all look a little bit heavy legged and the timing isn't quite there the reactions aren't what they will be in a week's time 
Yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? Because the off season is so short. And apart from that, you know, 10 days they all spend in the Maldives, they all spend the rest of it practicing and in the gym. So it's strange that there should be that rust. If there was an actual proper off season in tennis of sort of three months, I would entirely understand it. I mean, obviously it does happen because it's not an accident. We see it in almost every player. But I always do find it a little bit strange that that occurs to that extent because the off season is true we're talking but i mean how long realistically do these players actually take away from the tennis court in an off season two weeks two weeks tops maybe three if they're resting on their laurels i mean for me that's long enough to get rusty but for these guys uh, yeah maybe it takes even less time at the elite level because of just what goes into it but it it, i don't know it always how do we explain our level of performance then in our match that we played two years ago given that we played it in december explaining it there was no there was no rust in us lack of skill is how you explain that right okay well for the rematch i'll make sure i'm at my peak um now uh sir andy murray i've just realized we've been talking about him and we haven't mentioned that he's a sir. We're going to be hearing from Nigel Sears in the next portion of the tennis podcast. Um, his father-in-law, Andy Murray's father-in-law, and a top tour coach for many years, of course, with Daniela Hantakova and Anna Ivanovic, who recently retired. We'll be hearing his thoughts about Ivanovic and Anne Kiyothavong as Fed Cup captain. We'll ask him about Sir Andy Murray. Does he call him Sir Andy? At the breakfast table. I want to know. Um, we're going to ask him about that, and we'll, we'll get his thoughts on the tennis season in general. But... Sir Andy Murray, Catherine, it's a subject that we discussed um, a couple of months ago when Murray got to world number one. It resulted in one of your most ferocious rants on the tennis podcast that I can remember. I, a personal favourite of mine, I must say. Uh, I because actually can't remember it. Could you give me the highlights so I could churn them out again? Yes, the, the, the gist of it was uh, that you thought it was preposterous that Andy Murray was getting a knighthood during his playing career and that it well, should just wait until he was done and that it was preposterous that people like me are going to refer to him as Sir Andy, uh, and I'm going well, to. Um, and, no, you're um, not. No, you're well, not. I've just done it. You're not going to address him in person as Sir Andy, are you? Why not? Because you'd look like a goon, David, that's why. Well, that's and you'd what make his, that's everybody. Un- I think you'd make. I think the greater point here is that you'd make Andy Murray uncomfortable. I don't think you know what's going to be happening in all the locker rooms. He's going to walk in, and and everyone's going to everyone's going to be taking the Mickey out of him for being a sir. And yes, he can handle it, and that's fine. And that's not. I'm not saying he doesn't want it and isn't honoured by it. Of course he is. I'm just saying if. It's a total formality that he was going to get one. It doesn't add anything to the accomplishments he's already got. It doesn't, you know, those accomplishments are in the bag. This is just recognition of them. So he was going to get it either way. Why not just wait a few years? Why not wait? I, I don't I don't understand it. I, I don't. But, yeah, I, it, it's fine. He, I'm sure he's fine with it. I also am sure that had he been given the choice, he would have wanted it to wait he's never ever going to say that because i do believe he is genuinely honored and pleased to receive the honor but why couldn't it have waited what's the rush yeah no i know what you mean. i think the problem is that they've kind of created a rod for their own backs haven't they because they've done it for other people who were certainly no more deserving than he is and so they almost had to do it really um 
I, I think you're probably right. I think he probably is a bit uncomfortable with it all. But at the same time, you know, it's not, not the worst thing in the world to have happen either. But I tell you, it interested me last night. I was having a look after his first match in Doha as to how he was referred to in the match reports. And, and the majority of reports were calling him Andy Murray. Um, the Telegraph, our partners here on the Tennis Podcast, and the BBC were both referring him to him as Sir Andy Murray. He was called Sir Andy Murray on BBC Radio 5 Live in the news bulletins as well. So I wonder what I'm going to be calling him during my commentary in Australia. But we don't call every... You know, Claire Balding wasn't introducing Sir Chris Hoy every evening in the velodrome during the Rio Olympics, was she? Maybe she was. Not that I'm sure I would have made a mental note of that if she was. Well, Sir Bradley Wiggins gets a lot of that. Yeah, but in news bulletins, he's not, you know, when a news bulletin about his questionable use of TUEs comes up, he's not introduced as Sir Bradley Wiggins, is he? He's just Bradley Wiggins. (laughs) What what do you mean? You you sort of make a decision based on uh, the tone of the piece. Maybe, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe, but I can't believe that, you know, at every possible journalistic opportunity, these guys and girls are referred to as with their title. Code violation, warning, racket abuse, Sir Andy Murray. I mean, yeah, well, when you start putting it like that, it it does sound preposterous, doesn't it? It sounds really, really preposterous. Catherine Whittaker there with the the view uh, she expressed a couple of months ago with rather more vitriol and disgust, even than now. So do look that one up if you'd like to to hear it. Catherine, should we, should we hear from Nigel Sears now? This, this is an interview that I did a couple of nights ago. I arrived at BT Sport um, in the middle of the night, which is when we're commentating in the UK on the tournaments in Australia. And uh, Nigel was uh, good enough to, to have a chat here on the Tennis Podcast and to look forward to the new tennis season, starting with the possibilities and potential on the WTA circuit. There are so many question marks about 2017. Firstly, what sort of Serena Williams are we going to see? Because she is the person that could take the whole thing by storm again. It's interesting to see that she's chosen to play Auckland uh, early in the year and she's down there probably well prepared. I saw she won her opening match. We don't know yet. Uh, Is she going to stumble at the final hurdle again, as she did throughout uh, 2016, really, with the exception of Wimbledon? But there are an awful lot of very good players. The depth is improving all the time in women's tennis. Elena Svitolina is one of those players who had a a sensational back end of the year, in particular, very strong finish to 2016. She's so consistent, moves so well. She's almost a guaranteed quarter-finalist every week, so if that's your platform, good things can happen. Talking of people that are pretty much guaranteed to make the quarterfinals, based on the last year, Johanna Conta has done that week in, week out. I think particularly impressed us that this time a year ago she was just about to embark on that semi-final run at the Australian Open, and then week after week she kept backing it up. But she has made some pretty significant changes in her coaching team in the off-season. That's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Well, you know, it's it's kind of a shame after the year she had 
with Esteban Carril that that partnership didn't uh, continue. Um, obviously, only they know uh, what really happened uh, with that, but it was certainly a surprising change. She's had an outstanding, not 12 months, but 18 months. And the most impressive thing about Johanna and what she's achieved is the way that her level has just gone up several notches. And she's maintained that level against the very best players in the world. She had so many top 10 wins. She really has earned this ranking that she has at the moment. And she's another one that has such a strong base game uh, that you can't really see her losing early in the tournaments. And she will also threaten the top players. Moves exceptionally well again, has great weight to shot. And her serve was superb throughout the year. Cheap points on the first serve, second serve, very difficult to attack, very heavy, and one of the better second serves on the tour. Is the WTA finals a realistic possibility for her? Is is a slam final a possibility for her? Well, she should have been there last year, shouldn't she? I mean, she, she it was cruel the way that she didn't make the tour finals. Svetlana Kuznetsova, with that magnificent effort in the last few weeks of the season, just, just pipped her at the final post. And, you know, I, I was sure that uh, Joe was going to be in the tour finals. So I think that... I mean, we saw a semi-finals of the Australian Open earlier in the year. I see her in the second week of most slams. Um, whether she can win one or not, well, who's to say she can't? I, I don't know that she's a, a firm favourite to win one, but I see her certainly contending, and I, I do think she can make the tour finals, yeah, because she's that good now. Who else s- sort of stands out for you as as players to watch because i suppose that there's different levels aren't there there are there are players like we, we saw first time winners at slams last year in muguruza and kerber we've seen you've talked about alina svitolina as somebody who who may be able to break into that bracket of top 10 with joe conta and then there are younger players we're going to do a match later today in our commentary daria kasatkina who is, is a rich talent and is trying to add to what she's got who do you think we're going to be looking out for this year? Or who are you looking out for? Well, if you look at the more established players that are there already, we talked about consistency. Well, Simona Halep and Agnieszka Radvanska haven't won slams yet. But, I mean, they're two of the most consistent players. Angie Kerber, how consistent has she been? I mean, can she match the kind of year she had That's a challenge, year? isn't it? Well, very much so, but... Who's to bet against that? Uh, She works tremendously hard and her game is just improving year on, year out. And she's still going to take some beating, no doubt about it. Um, If you look at those, there's quite a lot of those solid players. Suarez Navarro, another person who wins an awful lot of matches. Again, narrowly missed uh, the tour finals. We seem to be slightly worse off at the moment for the big strikers. I mean, of course... Petra Kvitova, I mean, what's happened to her? Absolutely horrendous and really feel for her because she finished the year in superb style and started to play the kind of tennis that we all know she's so capable of. And before she first got the stress fracture in her foot and then secondly, uh, that awful knife attack, I I would have said that she is somebody to really watch for next year because she, she played some great tennis at the back end of 2016. You've got to think that Garbina Muguruza, with her heavyweight game, 
should put it together more often in 2017. It was hard to believe last year that she did virtually nothing before the French Open, wins the French Open and then does very little afterwards. Um, Disappointing from her, really, when you felt she could have even been a contender for a number one as she went into last year. But uh, that never really materialised. You'd think she would have a much better year this year. Dominika Sibylkova, I mean, what a bundle of energy she is. And uh, just look at the level she produced in Singapore. She was amazing, especially in the final. And what a wonderful finish to the year for her. Let's go back to the Williams. I mean, Venus Williams played some great tennis still at her age. She seems to have an appetite to get out on that practice court and work as hard as she ever has done. She's in great shape, despite the Shogun syndrome that she's had. Serena Williams can be anybody on her day and still think she's the one to watch. In terms of the young players, well, Daria uh, Kazakina, you look at Yelena Ostapenko, you look at Anna Konya. I mean, these are three very exciting names. Uh, I think Monica Puig, let's put a question mark next to her. She won the Olympics, but you've got to feel that she could possibly break through right to the, the top end of the game if she can put that Olympic form, I mean, together and and package it more regularly um we still put a question mark next to sloan stevens she's getting a little older now but she's still young and uh, what an athlete and what a game she's got i put another question mark next to caroline garcia got all the attributes of a top top player wonderful physique great talent great game but you just wish that she'd invest in a coach other than her father. Of, of course, there's a close relationship there, but she needs more. And I think that that is holding her back a bit. I have to say that. Um, I, I wouldn't be. Here's one from left field, which I know that you like to hear about. The, oh, yeah. Well, Definitely on this show. Well, you know, uh, at the top end of the game, Carolina Pliskova, great, uh, great striker. But what about her sister starting to make inroads? She's the lefty. They were both very even as juniors. I see Christina Pliskova moving up those rankings steadily, and it'll be very interesting to see how far she can go in 2017. But I like her game. Well, you've given us plenty to think about there, Nigel. Uh, because it's the first week of the year, and we, you know, we, we see these players come onto the court, and I feel as though, particularly through your eyes, you can, you, I can see you almost trying to assess how much work has gone in over the off-season. And the off-season, it's a vital time, isn't it? Because it seems to me that it almost separates the players. You find out, really, who's going to make the big move by how fit they are, how strong they are, the improvements that they've made. What, what is required in the off-season? Well, it's a question of investing that time to prepare yourself, not just for the start of the year, but it's a fitness block that is, is the best opportunity for all the players to, to put a base down to carry them through the entire season. Yes, you get another opportunity shortly after the grass court events. Uh, you get two to three weeks there where a lot of people try and cram in a bit more work to top things up. But the main block of physical work, uh, the technical work to perhaps work on weaknesses in the game, uh, that's when that's all done, uh, during the back end of November and December. And it's 
always interesting at the beginning of each uh, season to see who's put in the work and who hasn't. And tennis players come in all different uh, shapes and sizes. Can, can you tell? Can you tell <laughs> well, when you I see think, a player? Pretty much the way they're playing, the way they're carrying themselves? I think you can always tell if, how hard someone's been working physically. I mean, also, of course, it's an opportunity to reflect on the ups and downs of the year and from a mental perspective, too, to readdress the attitudes and, and the way the on-court demeanor, all this kind of thing. I mean, it's, a, it's really review, reassessment and preparation for the upcoming season it's it's a crucial time of the year one player that isn't doing an off season and isn't playing the season at all is Anna Ivanovic because she's taken the decision to retire obviously a shame for all of those people that enjoy watching her play you have worked with her on two occasions you've spent the last 18 months uh, working alongside her how, how did that decision come about from your perspective and 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 how will you look back on the time that you spent coaching her well firstly i think anna's had a wonderful career she's 29 years old she's been playing 15 years i mean she started very young on the pro tour she's won a grand slam she's won 15 uh, tour events made the final of the fed cup she'll always be remembered as one of the most exciting players to watch i mean spearheaded by that laser-like forehand a very natural shot a shot that at times was just pure genius she could hit uh, forehand winners from anywhere in the court and on her day and let's face it it wasn't always anna's day um which makes her that much more interesting as well she's a very emotional player wears her heart on her sleeve and she had her ups and downs within games within sets within matches and within phases of her careers and you're never entirely sure of what was going to happen but it was such a privilege to be courtside to watch some of those forehand winners and the, the sheer talent and ability that she had a pleasure to work with and she'll be missed uh, she really was a marquee player and I suppose over the last year, you, you would have seen the, the physical elements starting to, to become a problem for her and, and, and frustrating her. Well, she had a lot of uh, what I call niggling injuries and uh, take their toll after a time. And uh, uh, she just felt that um, she, she was battling against that an awful lot of the time. She missed a lot more tournaments uh, back end of this uh, uh, year, last year. Of course, she did get married and uh, perspectives change um, in I thought she the first half of the year she played some really good uh, tennis. I remember her beating Simona Halep in Dubai, and she right through played well the first couple of rounds of the French. Lost a disappointing match to Svitolina in the third round of the French, and uh, made quarters in uh, out in Mallorca just before Wimbledon, but blew out early in in Wimbledon, and from that point on was never really the same. But obviously her mind by that stage was probably on the wedding. She had some physical issues, and uh, I I believe very strongly that it's every player's right to call time on their own career whenever they want to. And she certainly served her time. She decided the time was was now just very recently and good luck to her and i wish her uh, very well for everything that she does in her future because uh, it really was a pleasure to work with her uh, now i'll just keep my voice down a bit here nigel because we're at bt sport at the moment in the commentary box right now is the new great britain 
Fed Cup captain. Annie, Annie Kay. Annie Kay. Now, um, she can't hear us unless she's listening back. Um, what do you think of that decision? What, do you, what sort of Fed Cup captain do you think she'll make? And from your perspective, as somebody who's done the job, what's, what's the important part of it? Well, it's, it's fascinating because when I was Fed Cup captain, I was working with Anne. And actually, I was sitting on the chair when Anne was playing her Fed Cup matches. And um, I was involved with Anne uh, on the tour for a good four and a half years while I was at the LTA. So I know Anne very well. And she always showed tremendous courage as a player and was an exceptionally hard worker. You've got to remember she had two horrible knee injuries, uh, tearing her anterior cruciate and going through surgery twice and still came back from each one very strongly. I know exactly how hard she had to work to do that. And she came back and had some great wins and actually made, uh, I think, six or perhaps seven tour semifinals played uh, you know really really well at her best had a ferocious forehand herself i think as captain she she's been there for one she's experienced it all she's played on the main tour and she's tough and she's feisty and i don't think she'll take any nonsense and i think it's a, it's a strong appointment and i think she has the credentials to to really fit that role and uh, of course i wish her and the team well in february when they they need to get out of that zone final one nigel sir andy murray <laughs> how did that go down when you heard about it <laughs> Well, well, okay. I mean, I, for him, I, I think he still—he's already said he still feels like Andy. Uh, my daughter certainly feels like Kim. Um, but I, I think it's very well deserved. He's had an exceptional year. It's Absolutely. extraordinary, really, isn't it? Outstanding. What, what he did from sort of the last three months of the year is pretty mind-boggling to, to get number one from a guy who'd been totally dominant for six months. Well, I have huge respect. I mean, firstly, for how hard he worked, not just uh, in the gym and off the court, but to play all those tournaments in a row and win all those tournaments at the back end of the year you know one week after the next and then to beat uh, Novak in the final at the 0-2 I don't think you can be a, he couldn't have been accepted as a true number one unless he'd beaten Novak in a major final and he did that uh, to cap off the year when he must have been exhausted and think about the two matches he played prior to that in that tournament alone not even thinking about the weeks before I have the utmost respect for what he's achieved some might think it's a little young he might even think he's a little young he might have thought it might have come uh, if he if he deserved it at the end of his career but it's happened now and uh, well of course we're all immensely proud of him you don't call him Sarandi, do you? I certainly don't, know. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So Nigel Sears, they're talking to us here on the Tennis Podcast. And uh, no, he's not going to be calling him Sir Andy at the breakfast table. Just imagine that, though. Sir Andy, any chance you could pass me the butter? That wouldn't have worked, would it? I don't think. You'd probably get a slap if you did that. Um, Ever more preposterous. <laughs> Catherine, uh, Anki Othavong is, is, uh, being the Fed Cup captain is something we haven't discussed yet. Uh, here on the, the show because uh, we didn't do so last week and, and the, the news was announced uh, in late November. She is somebody that I've certainly got to know pretty well working with on BT Sport. She's fairly recently retired in the last, well, three years ago, wasn't it? And she, so she's current in that way. But, but personally, I, I would share Nigel's view, I think. She is somebody that will, will be a strong captain. I think, I think she's exactly the right candidate. Yeah, she's a very strong character. I've worked with her on live at Wimbledon. I like her very much. I She's incredibly nice and personable, but yet, you know, I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of her. It's the same as sort of how I feel about Tim Henman, really, which I know comes as a real surprise because that's not his public persona. Everyone thinks he's sort of a bit of a, a, a damp rag, but actually I really wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of either of them. I think she's really, really not going to take any rubbish from anyone uh, and I think that's that those are the skills required in in that job she's not going to be a pushover everyone will like her and want to work for her want to perform for her but at the same time she's not going to be taken for a ride she's not going to be taken advantage of and uh, I think those are the right sort of attributes to have in that role now, Catherine, um, incidentally, very quick note as well on, on what Nigel was saying about Christina Pliskova. She is due to play Johanna Konta overnight tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, I, I'm very interested to see how that goes because Christina has taken a little while longer to come through than Carolina. Maybe, maybe she never will, but left-hander, huge serve, definitely worth watching out for her. Catherine, New Year, what is your 2017 tennis wish? The end of pole vault. Sorry, that's coming up after this. That's coming up after 27 tennis wish, so you can't have that. Okay, my 2017 tennis wish is for Roger Federer to win one last Grand Slam. Please. Okay. All right. There's lots of other things I would like to happen. Why do you want that? Because it would be the best story ever. 
It would just, it would just, there would not be a dry eye in the house. What do you mean what? I mean, that, what a facetious question. You know why. Who in tennis doesn't want that? The hard-hearted, that's who. Well, fans of other players, surely. I mean, not There's everybody's enough. a Roger Other Federer players fan. can have a go. There are three others up for grabs. There are more after 2017, which everyone else will be around for. Roger Federer might only have 2017. Just let him have one, all right? Well, hold on a minute. I, I seem to remember Andy Roddick standing there in 2009 on the Wimbledon Centre Court when, uh, when he'd just been beaten. And he, he was like, well, hold on a minute. You, you're saying you know how I feel. You've won 17 of these things, for goodness sake. How many more do you need? It's not about the number. It's about one last one. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure I quite follow that argument, David. I was supporting Andy Roddick on that day. I was devastated when he lost. That's neither here nor there. The facts are as, as they are. He's kept going. He's done wonderful things for tennis and his winning a 18th and final slam would be one of the best sporting stories our sport has ever seen and I want to see it. Well, you're very much entitled to your 2017 tennis wish. I hope it comes that, true, you, true you, for you. You wouldn't like that to happen, David. Do you know what? I, I, actually, you, you, the way you said it there is pretty convincing and pretty, uh, yeah, I, I, you've won me over with that. I, I, it would be amazing. I mean, I'm, be, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit. I think it would I'm be... I'm also, f- also not sure I've ever seen my brother cry and I'm pretty sure that, that, this, that Federer winning an 18th slam would elicit that reaction. So double whammy. Well, that's an even better reason. I mean, absolutely <laughs> brilliant reason. Uh, now you know what it would be. It would be amazing, I think, for the sport generally um, to to have him do that. And and I think he, yeah, I think he does deserve it. Do I think it'll happen? I don't. Do you think it'll happen? I am completely unable to separate head from heart uh, when it comes to this one. I've proven in the past. Look, I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it's likely in that I don't think it's sort of more than 50% chance that it'll happen. I don't think it's highly unlikely either. I certainly think it's within the realms of possibility. It's not likely, but I really think it could. Wow. It's about sort of the same, same level of probability as... Andy Murray finishing Nick- last year, world number one? Yeah, well, yeah, probably. Nick Kyrgios winning a slam, something like that. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. That, that'll be coming up in pole vault, Catherine. So, you, you know, you, I can tell you, you're just building up to that moment. Uh, my 2017 tennis wish is something we asked you about on Twitter, at Tennis Podcast. Rachel Butcher from Stockport in England says uh, she wants Sarandi Murray to finally get his hands on an Australian Open title. Well, we'll find out over the next few weeks, won't we? Tevin, 20 years old from Leicester, a Man United fan, says wants Nadal to win a slam, wants Serena Sibylko, and Muguruza to win big titles as well. Gary Harper, who likes eating, says he wants to see serve and volley tennis make a real reintroduction to the game. I've actually noticed, Catherine, I, I think it is coming more and more into the game again. You know, I think players are realising, I think the, the cyclical thing is starting to take place where people realise can't beat Djokovic and Murray from the back of the court alone. I, th- I think the variety is coming back into the sport. Mark, a librarian, says he wants Murray 
at the Australian Open and Federer and Sybil Kova to win slams. Bridget Kelly, who spends her time watching tennis and AFL when she should be studying, she says, would like Tanasi Kokonakis to play at least two slams this year. I think that's a great one. There's Kokonakis. He, he's had 15 months out of the game with that horrible shoulder problem and he's missed, I think. Oh, he's horrible. It's awful what's happened to him. Having to have surgery as a teenager and on such a crucial part of his body, I I think he made some probably some quite naive decisions last season. From what I can gather, his playing the Olympics was ill-advised. He tried to come back too soon and has and has extended his time out of the game. But still, he's he's really young and he doesn't deserve all these setbacks. And uh, unlike some of the young talented australian players he has a really good head on his shoulders uh he's a really good kid and he would be great for tennis if he can if he can make a breakthrough i'm hearing he still hasn't got over your interview with him when uh, you asked him about the kardashian family <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jill from Liverpool says uh, she wants Novak Djokovic back at world number one and to win Cincinnati to complete the Masters Series Slam. Uh, and finally, Both could happen. They I, could, I yeah. Think Djokovic really wants Cincy. I do. Yeah, I think he's I, he, I think he, he he's going to be he's going to be super pumped up again this year. I think. Uh, I think yeah. you almost need he need he needed the shock to the system. I think of of losing the the top spot to to get that hunger back i think it's just it's pretty normal that that sort of emotion vipple in delhi finally would like to see nadal complete la decima imagine that 10th roland garros crown imagine that i mean that would that would talk be about not a dry unreal. eye in the house wow yeah, that would that would be good too. All of these things sound really good. Let's yeah, just let's have, have them all. Them, please. Uh, I tell you, uh, my one actually. I'd love Dominika Sibulkova to win a slam. Yeah, just going she's back a joy. To, I think the she first, is a joy um, to watch. The first person. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. I I would say for me, I, I just want to see all of these players playing fit, healthy and near to the best. I'd love to see one more year of Nadal and Federer playing really well, Serena playing really well and the rest of them standing up to the challenge. I don't really I'm not really that bothered who wins the titles. I just want to see great spectacles. I want to see the the sport at its best. There you go. That's the most David Law answer there has ever been. Do you know that? What does that mean? I just want everyone to have a nice time. Hey. <laughs> you make you're so nice, David. You make me look bad. All right, steady. I'm not that nice. I tell you, you should see what I no, I won't. Um pole vault, Catherine. Um you know, if I was that nice I'd have stopped pole vault and stopped putting you yeah, through that's this. True. But that's no, true. I, I won't. Um Rose is with me on that as well. Uh will Nick Kyrgios make the ATP finals this year? What do you think? Seven hundred and thirty votes. No. 57% of people agree with you. 43% say he will. Mm, okay. He, hit, he played a rally yesterday in which he hit two tweeners in the same point. And midway through, when there was a lob going up, he actually did a pirouette, which he didn't need to do, just to show off a bit more. It was amazing. Anyway, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll make the ATP finals, of course. Alex Zverev, ranking this time next year will be, will it be top five, six to ten, 11 to 20 or 21 to 100? 
752 votes. He is making fast strides, isn't he? I certainly think he'll be top 20 easy. I think he'll be top 15. It's just a question of whether he gets top 10. I think top five is is too soon. Uh, I think he'll be between five and 15, probably just outside the top 10. 59% say 11 to 20. So the majority is with you, Catherine. 29% think he'll be 6 to 10. Just 3% think he'll be top 10. Five, 9% think you'll still be 21 to 100. Um, and we've got a, a one week from the tennis season. I did this one a week ago. Who wins the Australian Open women's title? Will it be Angelique Kerber, Serena Williams, or someone else? 575 votes. Someone else. Oh, 38% agree with you. Only 31% think that Serena will win, and 31% think... Kerber will win. So more people think that someone else will win. The the, the most popular choices were, were you don't care, do you? Most popular choices were <laughs> Radvanska, Pliskova, Halep, and Konta. Those were the four getting the shouts. Uh, now, one that you will actually care about, Catherine Whitaker, here on the tennis podcast, Pole Vault. Have we seen the best of Grigor Dimitrov? Six hundred fifty-four sad if the answer to that question is yes. That's not one of the options. Uh, have we seen the best of him? No. 40, 46% believe no, that we haven't seen the best of him yet. 54% think that we have seen the best of him. I'm with you. I think no. I think we. I think he's going to come again and do even better than he did with the semi-final at Wimbledon. And now, which of these two will retire with two more, Catherine? Which of these two? I, I did run. You know, by the way, I did a poll vault uh, while you were off, Catherine, and I could kind of get away with it. I, I did a poll vault to ask how many poll vaults I'd run in the off-season. Do you want to know the answer of that? I don't. I don't at all. 21. No. 21 pole vaults I ran in the off-season. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, here's one of them. Which of these two will retire with the career slam? Stan or Murray? Both or neither? Stan's got three of the four already. Murray's got two of the four. Yeah, career slam, I which one? I don't see Vavrinka winning Wimbledon, I have to say. I would be more surprised if Vavrinka won Wimbledon than if Murray won the French and the Australian. I've said this before, I'm, I'm deja vuing myself. I can't believe Andy Murray won't win an Australian Open in his career. So then it comes down to, is Murray more likely to win a French than Stan is to win a Wimbledon? And I would say on balance, yes. However, I think probably just the most likely scenario is that neither completes the career slam. And that is the most popular selection from our listeners at Tennis Podcast. 44% think that neither will win the career slam. 41% think that Murray will. 6% think both will. And 9% think just Stan will. I know Chris Clary thinks that Murray will fall short at the French Open, that he'll get an Australian Open. Chris Clary from the New York Times, you can pretty much take that as read that this will happen if he says so. But that's fascinating isn't it and uh yeah i i, I don't know i i'm i think he's going to do it i think murray will win both of the other two tournaments at one once no, in his you career you just said what chris clary says is gospel well i've changed my mind you know chris clary i know more than chris clary uh. all right so you know i've said he'll win both of them before he retires okay. and he'll complete the career slam stan won't i don't think stan will win wimbledon um, I'm with you on that one. So that's just about it, Catherine Whitaker, on the pole vault scene. Enjoyable? 
Brilliant, David. A pleasure, as always. Excellent. Uh, now, folks, uh, just Can before we go... I get back to go, my migraine now? Yeah, oh yeah, I should say that Catherine, I mean... <laughs> I don't know whether this was just coincidence. We were supposed to record this show 24 hours ago. And and I I said to Catherine, I'll tell you what, I'll do the agenda for the podcast, the talking points. I'll do the – and we're having Pole Vault on this week because Catherine was presenting last week and I wasn't allowed to have it. And I said, so I'll put Pole Vaults uh, – I'll get those all together. Within an hour, Catherine Whitaker had announced that she got a migraine and wouldn't be able to record. <laughs> I'd been struck down. Struck down in my prime, yeah. So, I'm sure the two things are unrelated, David. Okay, oh, I hope so. Uh, anyway, uh, before we no go, link just has to, been medically proven. Let's no link yet. Yet uh, the, the uh, we should also say uh, that Racket Magazine, uh, the print-only tennis magazine that came out a few months ago with its first ep- first edition, fantastic cover by the way. If you haven't seen that, a, a beautiful picture of uh, Yannick Noah on the front of that. Um, the second edition is about to come out. It has uh, features in it, uh, including one on up-and-comers Dominic Team and Naomi Osaka uh, the Osaka one sounds fascinating the woman without a country by Louisa Thomas uh, is in Racket Magazine edition 2 uh, there's something on the Obama and Serena years uh, an essay by Ivy Pachoda uh, there's a UK centric look at the dual life of Fred Perry clothing that's an interesting one isn't it uh, I, I, I like wearing Fred Perry uh, uh, polo shirts I, I look completely ridiculous but anyway, I like wearing them. And uh, there's various other things, there's a, including something on the, uh, a look at civil war within the squash community. Have you ever played squash, Catherine? I, I find it quite hard. No, much you can, to my, uh, my dad's chagrin. No, my dad's a very good squash player and he has desperately tried to get me into squash many times uh, in my childhood. I just never quite took to it. Could you imagine me? But, I mean, I've played squash and I mean, it's like locking up a giraffe. It's not, not a good what? sight. One of the questions, in fact, that Federer was asked in his periscope session when he periscoped his um, practice session was whether he plays squash. And I think he said he did. In fact, yes, uh, he did say he played squash, but he didn't play badminton. I think that's the way around it was. Stefan Edberg became a very good squash player after he retired. Fun fact, I think he was the uh, world uh, Swedish number one vet squash player, in fact. There you go. Fun, fun fact. Fun fact related to Racket Magazine Edition 2, which is going to be available very soon. Go to racketmag.com, uh, spelt the proper way, proper way R-A-C-Q-U-E-T, mag.com, uh, and you can subscribe on there. And don't forget, do uh, if you want to have daily editions of the Tennis Podcast at the Grand Slams, we get in there, folks. We're, we're more than 70% of the way there. You're already going to get your weekly editions. And if you want to go to kickstarter.com and search for Tennis Podcast, you can back us on there. You've got to do so before the 13th of January, stroke 14th, depending on where you are in the world. Catherine, go and get back to your migraine then. I will. I will. Consider it done. Okay. Nice to talk to you and lovely to talk to you all. Have a good week. We'll speak to you soon. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 